What smells like shoe polish? Be quiet. We have a promo to do. I'm Jeff Ferry, and this is my hetero podcast mate, Chris Durkach. We are the hosts of the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. We break down the Kevin Smith films featuring Jay and Silent Bob one minute at a time, starting with Clerks. I have a hockey game at 12. Chris, please. So if you've ever worked a dead-end job behind the counter discussing Star Wars while slinging coffee, nudie mags, and cigarettes... Cancer merchant! Cancer merchant! Settle down! Or if you ever leaned outside a convenience store, secretly hated all your customers, or closed your place of business to attend a funeral, you should join us at Jay and Silent Bob Minute on DuelingGenre.com as we discuss the milkmaids, berserkers, and the significance of the number 37. In a row? Come for the clerks, and stay for the rest of the Jay and Silent Bob Minute fun. Right, Chris? I'm not even supposed to be here today. Welcome back to another episode of our coverage of Once Bitten on the Vampire Movie Minute podcast, part of the Movie by Minute Network. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Scott Danielson. And Once Bitten is the 1985 comedy starring Laura Hutton and Jim Carrey. And tonight we are covering minutes 35 to 40, which begins with uh, Rusk asking them if they if if uh, Mark banged her and ends with Mark going into a dream sequence in his room. He is completely oblivious in the scene that Robin is sitting directly behind him. Why would you not know that the girlfriend you've been trying to get into the pants of since you were 12 years old is sitting directly behind you? Yeah, he's very, very, a very oblivious young man. Which is mentioned later and on in the movie that she's the um, she's the um, the woman whose pants he has been trying to get into since they were 12 years old. Uh, that's to snap him out of the enthrall of the countress, which I think is the best moment in the movie. <laughs> well, the way they describe sex is absolutely disgusting. These are the two most disgusting characters in the entire movie. They are, yeah. No, no, no disagreements here. I mean, just ugh. at least in I, I, okay. Who do you think is a better person in terms of being the best friend to the guy becoming the vampire and being a sexual deviant? Um, hashtag me too. Ralph from My Best Friend Is a Vampire or Jamie and Russ from Once Bitten? Ugh. I mean, if we're measuring creepitude, uh, Jamie and Russ seem to be pretty up there. Right, even though Ralph wants um, his best friend to use his vampire powers to basically rape women. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's all... The 80s are a rough time. <laughs> right, regard. right. But Russ and, uh, Russ and Jamie, something great happens to them at the end of the movie, and at the end of uh, My Best Friend is a Vampire, Ralph gets the phone number to a pretty platinum blonde vampire, asks her, next time you're in town, let's go out for Bloody Marys. There you go. <laughs> so. All turns out well. This is a good message. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark gets up and doesn't want to talk about it after being asked if the Countess has any tattoos or scars, which, by the way, tattoos and scars are a big fetish for certain kind of people. Myself, not into scars as much as tattoos. Girls, I find out who have tattoos, I'm drawn to them. Scars, 
I mean, it's not unattractive, but I'm not attracted to scars. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's very we it's very interesting. To, like basically, the way that Russ and Jamie talk, it's like they gave you their very personal internet search history in like about five seconds, like with no product. Like they just they're like, oh, this is what I'm into. D- does she have this? No, I, I, we don't have the internet yet. Please tell me more. Like. <laughs> They're so desperate. Right. I've seen some um, amazing tattoos on uh, former partners of mine. They're of, uh, you know, the ones that you can see in their arms, and sometimes they're the ones you have to wait until you're in bed to see, and they're, like, truly amazing. Like, one person had, like, an entire back tattoo. It was so so beautiful. And she takes her shirt off, whatever, and unclips her bra, and she says, what do you think? And I'm going to turn around, and I'm just like, holy cow. She's like, yeah, that's a that's a big tattoo that I don't, you know, nobody gets to see that often. So unless I'm in a bathing suit, so and I'm just like, yeah. wowzers, yeah. This thing went from like her neck down to her waist. Oh wow. Yeah, and uh, so Robin looks pissed, and she looks like she should be working the ice cream truck because she looks like she's dressed in sherbet colors. She looks like yeah, ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I, I swear I've seen that color scheme in wardrobe before. Like, so she's wearing, like, the pink top and the blue bottom. But, yeah, it's, it's very – yeah, she is very angry. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Mark it. Mark doesn't seem to realize, like he, – he's kind of just like, it didn't mean anything. I didn't even – I don't even remember, like, not not really apologizing. He's just kind of, be like, trying to downplay the importance of what has happened. And she asks him if he picked him up, picked up the Countess at a 7-Eleven, which was around well, in the 80s. And has been around for 93 years. Did you know 7-Eleven oh, wow. has been around that long? And no, I actually wouldn't have expected it to be, but that's interesting. Um, yeah, she said a 7-Eleven or a bowling alley, which I thought was good. A bowling alley. I guess you could pick up women at a bowling alley. I suppose so. I mean, they've got the cosmic bowling nights nowadays. So. Right. Um, apparently, there were used to be a store called Totem Stores. Oh, I see. Okay, so they, just, they evolved over time. Right. And the first 7-Eleven opened up in 1981 in Hong Kong. Got it. Uh, my podcast co-host on Supernatural Creatures and Lore, Mel Heflin, the only thing outside the American military base in Japan where she lives, uh, she lives at the part of Japan that basically overlooks uh, South Korea. And right outside oh, the military okay. military base, the only thing that's outside the American military base is a 7-Eleven gas station from Japan which is the closest she comes to any type of Japanese culture whatsoever because the American military base is, as I just said, American military base. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I once dated a woman who she, um, she grew up on military bases, and so at one point we were going to like stop at a place for fast food, and I said, do you want to stop at Burger King? And she nearly she looked like she needed to vomit because that's the only fast food chain that's really on any military base. Like they have a deal. So with so that they're on almost every single one. She's like, no, anything but that. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it. It's like, what the fuck, dude? That's kind of an asshole move. Um, then she goes through yeah, a list could... of people that saw him bite the buttons. <laughs> chauffeur, but he's also the butler. A chauffeur and a butler? Did they all see him bite your buttons? <laughs> yeah, he does. He doesn't seem to get like just complete, continuing to be the world's biggest dumb dumb. Like he says his name he just says the name sebastian like it's like all i remember he didn't even say like woke up to the butler he just said sebastian <laughs> like and then she calls this countess a slut slut shaming <laughs> yes yeah that's 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 a that's a word that you don't necessarily realize how frequently it's used until you hear it later like i remember my my wife and i occasionally we watch like old girl golden girls episodes oh. and man <laughs> 
they fling that word around, especially a Blanche, all the time. <laughs> they um, <laughs> they have said they wanted to re-update the Golden Girls using modern day uh, women who were like super hot. They're still kind of super hot, but they're now like in their fifties or sixties. Yeah, here's here's something crazy. Now, just because all of these, like, all, basically all of these women were, at the time for the Golden Girls were were around the right age for it, but now. The 50-year-olds you could include would be somebody like Jennifer Lopez. Oh, my God. Like you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's, in, like, to me, I'm like, that's insanity that they, these, <laughs> these people they, would all be considered. And they would definitely like, make it, they would definitely make it, like, for non-white women. You know what I mean? Uh, they would definitely be, like. I would hope so. But I, I, I think that if they ever did a remake of the Golden Girls, they should get Betty White to come back to play the older, older woman. Yes, absolutely. I mean, she's up for it. She's still working. Yeah, yeah. She's in her 90s, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, she has a hot dog almost every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet she does. <laughs> she does. She uh, loves them. So Robin gives Mark back her ring. Now, what type of ring do you think he would have given her? A class ring? Uh, I always think it's like – this is a thing. I think it's it's like a holdover from the 50s. I think it's meant to be like this like promise ring, like together forever type ring. It may oh. have been a class ring. It's really nondescript. Right. Um, then they switch over to biology class, and he's dissecting a frog. Did you take biology? Did you have to dissect a frog? Yes. Uh, I didn't have to personally dissect it, but we did have to do an identification. Like it was already splayed out for us, and then we, and there, the, we had to identify all the organs within from sight, not much, very gross. not much going on here, but the biology teacher, you know, they're not in order by appearance because the bookseller appears before Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Kendall, who are never named, by the way. Um, <laughs> they're just Mr. and Mrs. Kendall. Uh, bouncer, high school band, dancer, dancer, nightclub, dream sequence extra. I don't remember the dream sequence. Oh, I guess we're going to get to it soon. Uh, kid in shower, woman shopper in unisex store. I wonder who the nun was that gets pushed out of the way. <laughs> Not the, no. I don't know. Yeah, there's a nun. Oh, there's a dude in, net, in drag at the party dressed as a nun, and then there's an elderly woman she just shoves out of the way. <laughs> oh, I see. Which that had to have been like a, a much younger person who look, made to look like an elderly woman, because I just cannot believe they would actually push an old woman into a thing of clothes, and she actually... No. Even uh, in the 80s, they wouldn't have done that. Right, right. Uh, woman shopper. I don't see... I do not see the biology teacher in the credits. Yeah, neither do I. I'm scanning everywhere, but I don't see anything. What if you type in on Google biology teacher from one spin? I'm actually getting a bunch of uh, sci- scientific <laughs> papers. Yeah, missing biology teacher. It says it right here. It's stricken out. So so the biology teacher one spin and doesn't have a credit whatsoever. I don't know who she is. I don't recognize her because obviously if she was somebody that went on to do something, she would probably definitely get listed here. Then we switch yeah. over to Mark's room, and um, we, by the way, don't even get the classmates in the room either because they're quick pan around as they're all laughing at him. And then we yeah, the, the joke the joke is basically he doesn't he's not he's just somehow fascinated with organs now. He's, he's wearing sunglasses inside, and he's in a class that is not his. So <laughs> right. Um, then we switch to Mark's room, and his father comes in, and his father is played by Richard Shaw, Mr. Kendall. We do see a tiny picture of Mrs. Kendall on the mirror, but we'll actually discuss her when we get to her. But Richard Shaw had been in many things. He has passed away at the age of 86 in 2014, 
but he was in uh, a lot of stuff that I had never seen before. Rhoda, Phyllis, looks like a lot of dramas. The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Um, yeah, he was a, t- a TV actor, primarily, it looks like. And um, based on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, I'm going to guess at some point, he pro- considering how much TV directing Howard Storm did, I'm guessing at some point that he directed something that he was in. Um, looking around Mark's room, we see a Billy Squire sticker, uh, or Billy Squire poster. Who is Billy Squire? Oh, I'm forgetting this. I know, and I'm forgetting the the hit that he, he had. A, I mean, he was a big deal in the 80s, but I'm forgetting the name of the uh, he, song. Oh, wow, he was born in Wellesley, Massachusetts. He is 69 years old as of uh, this year. He was uh, Rock Me Tonight, In the Dark, The Stroke. Yeah, Lonely is the Night, My Kind of Lover. None of those songs really ring a bell unless I hear them. Yeah, I, I would have to hear like a riff or something like that. Like I know he was a he was kind of a thing, but then we also see some Pink Floyd stickers. That's the sticker I see, which is kind of funny. We all know Pink Floyd is. Um, Pink yeah. Floyd uh, did, of course, their famous probably most famous song is probably the Wall, right? Yeah, that's pro- well, it's probably their most famous. Another brick in the wall is probably their most famous track. Yeah. Yeah, the Dark Side of the Moon is probably their most famous. Album. album, yeah. And then we see a button uh, really close up that you can't almost see, which I thought was funny. Uh, I, I was just, uh, I, I, I know who exactly who this is, one of my favorite musicians. Who was it? Who's on the button? That would be the bad girl of rock and roll of the 80s herself, Joan Jett. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I see her. Yeah. We also have a poster directly behind Mark when he stands up, which is above his bed, of Corvettes. I guess it's Corvettes' entire line up to 1984, probably. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, it's a full discography of Corvettes. Uh, I'm not a big car person. Are you? No, I can't say I am. The Corvette first rolled off the assembly line in 1953. Oh, there, there you go. I think, I think they actually talked a bit about Corvettes in when was it? I think they talk about them, the, Cor- the Corvette line a lot in the Ford versus 4V Ferrari. Oh yeah, definitely. They talk about every kind of car. I haven't seen that movie yet, but I have. I've wanted to. I heard it's very, very good. Matt Damon and Christian Bale, uh, definitely a dynamic duo that we've never seen before. And that's not a joke on the fact that Christian Bale played Batman. Um, yeah. No, that's a no. There. It's a. It's a. It's a very good movie. I really liked it. Do you know what Christian Bale movie turns 20 years old uh, this coming Tuesday? American not Psycho. Not- uh, that's, yeah, that, that was one of his. That was one of his early roles. Right. Well, not actually. No, never mind. What am I talking about? He's well, he's been around since the eighties. Yeah, he's a child. Yeah, I was actor. about to say. Empire of the Sun is when he made his big debut. That's right. Yeah, he made his debut in a Spielberg movie, and it's, which is intimidating. So the the car that would have been around in 1985 for the when this movie came out in 1984 when it was filmed is the Chevy Corvette C4. That would have been the mark the car on the line right now. Got it. We also buried the lead that uh, that Mark is is just uh, chilling in a trunk when his dad comes in. Right, right, because he's having problems with uh, Robin. So, and he's just like, could, "Could you sleep in the bed? 
Put your mother at rest. <laughs> yeah. Put your mother at rest. My favorite is that his dad just says, just just close the door. Like, he seems to assume that Mark being in the trunk is, like, some weird masturbation thing. Yeah. It's just the weirdest thing in the world. We only see Mom and Dad one other time later on in the movie, and then... Uh, it seems like they're they're missing a scene somewhere. Like we should come back to mom and dad maybe. Like when he goes out to rescue Robin or something like that. It, yeah, it, we don't. Yeah, we, we don't really get a day in the life of Mark at all. No. It's, well, we kind of do when he's the ice cream kid. When he scares the kids away, is the ice cream man turning into a vampire? Kinda, but it's kind of like we don't know what his normal life looks like. Right. I'm assuming in, in it's the, hang out with Russ and Jamie, listen to their stupid, you know sexual misconduct jokes, deliver ice cream, hang out at home, do his homework, and then go out dates with Robin. I'm assuming that is pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, side note, just just thought of this. I looked up the, I think you mentioned something about the, the school not being very thrilled about the, the, the fact that the movie, movie was filmed there. Something like that, yeah. I think I think the school in particular had been burned before because p- scenes from Slumber Party Massacre were also filmed there. Oh no, yeah, that that would definitely put a bad taste in the mouth. You know, Scream <laughs> also had some problems trying to find a school to film at. You know, uh, because there was a there was a lot of people protesting that they don't want that type of movie filmed in their town. Yeah, that's it's not entirely surprising, but it is. It, I'm always I always get curious, at least for me, because I'm. I've went, all the all the schools I went to are in in the Cleveland area or in the Midwest, and so everything's internal. And you can always tell when they find a California school because they have those external lockers. Mm-hmm. So so I'm always curious, like, oh, okay, where is this? And it looks like every California school. So for me, I'm like, okay, that kind of looks like the school from Easy A and any other movie you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> but no, it's apparently it's the Mark Twain Middle School, I guess. Yeah, that was the name of the school we found. Um, so when his father leaves, he immediately goes to check his teeth, and then he's in bed, and we get a close-up shot of the neck when it cuts to him and Robin. Very nice picture of the two of them together, probably to show the guilt of what he just did. Now, here's mm-hmm. my question. He never actually sleeps with the Countess, but he goes to Hollywood to have sex with someone against his better wishes of his girlfriend to save themselves for each other. Uh, but he doesn't cheat on her. He thinks he does. And then he finds out he doesn't. Is he still wrong? He's wrong, yeah. Okay. I think it. I think it's the kind of. He's not the level of wrong that he thinks he might be, if that makes sense, or that Robin thinks he might be. But it's kind of if if let's say that you're you're like dating you're you've been dating a woman for a while you've been like steady and you know you 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 have like a symbol like like a ring <laughs> that somebody gave you and you found out the next day that they spent their entire weekend like trolling trying to find someone to sleep with just to get it over with just so they could because they weren't willing to wait for you that would be that's very bad every level of that is bad then we see mark start to drift off and that is how our minute ends with him starting his dream sequence that's all the notes i have here for the lost boys movie minute uh god damn it Old habits die hard. That's all the time we have here for this coverage of Once Bitten on the Vampire Movie Minute podcast. Uh, you can find us on the Once Bitten Facebook and Twitter, as well as our individual Twitters at Christy SAV. 
And Scott C. Danielson. And all previous episodes can be found on RadioHorror.com. Don't forget to go to the MovieByMinute.com website in order to check out all of the amazing Movie by Minutes podcasts, all starting all the way back with Star Wars Movie Minute, which is how the whole Movie Minute podcast genre got started. Uh, my personal favorites are currently right now I'm listening to Fright Night Movie Minute and Jay and Silent Bob Movie Minute, which are covering Chasing Amy, which is <laughs> very funny to listen to to two guys talk about lesbian rom-com. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kevin James' classy movie. <laughs> yeah, Kevin James. <laughs> Fuck Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till they get to Jay and Silent Bob movie minute and they can scream out, I love the cock! <laughs> I am the clip yeah. master! <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, da- or Dagon, uh, Dogma, when uh, Jay points out that uh, women's bodies are their own fucking business. <laughs> yes, correct. Very progressive of you, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, everybody. Come back next week. All right.